Okay. That will do something. Sick. That works for me. Um. Okay. Cool. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hey. What's up? This is Phil. And Mary Kate with Waste Division. Yes. And um. Well, we just wanted to get on here and make some announcements that are exciting. We've been working hard on DryFest shit. Uh, Julia Louise DryFest, as some or many of you probably know, is our uh, DIY arts and music festival that we throw uh, in beautiful downtown Billings, Montana. Um, Side note, uh, if you're not near Billings or um, interested in this festival, you might want to fast forward like nine minutes or so to the actual podcast and we just released the lineup and we've been working hard at putting interviews together podcasts a bunch of shit that we're going to throw out this week and probably up until august 9th and 10th until dry fest happens we'll be hitting you with more information some content from artists and just a lot of stuff a lot of stuff um you can find that at waste-division.org if you go there now you'll see the first interview which i wrote uh, about uh, one of our headliners named bob bowman who's a really cool jazz bass player who's played with like freddie hubbard and um thad jones and mel lewis band and like some crazy shit Um, but he'll be here playing at thirsty street for our uh, jazz segment of the festival which is exciting um yes and so you can find him an interview that i did with him a written interview uh, at waste-division.org.org that's our um that's the first interview and you'll you'll see many many more like maybe a hundred yeah probably a hundred yeah yeah it's it's a pretty big year this year, you guys. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot coming at you. Yeah. So, and we've got as the crow as the crow flies is another band headlining, um, and uh, friends of Cesar Romero is another one. Um, the budgets are back this year. Idaho Green, uh, my band Bull Market. We've also got a ton of visual artists and craftsmen. We have Rogue Witch. Crafts people. Crafts people. Yes. They aren't just men, Mary Kate. I am so sorry. That is such a. Th- like word that I need to unlearn. My yeah, bad. Dude. No, but, men are canceled. Yeah, men are canceled. <laughs> uh, but visual artists, we have people like Chamber of Goob, Jackson Davis, uh, Sarah Wright, more uh, awesome artists from around here. You'll you'll be seeing lots of cool stuff this year. You'll love it. We've got um, like uh, these international artists mm-hmm. that we're gonna feature. They won't be here. No, but they'll be sending in their work for yeah. you to buy and view and, look and at. yeah. yeah. So it should be a cool fest. We've got a bunch of venues. Uh, the Art House Cinema and Pub Downtown is involved. Kirk's Grocery. Yep, Kirk's Grocery. Craft uh, Local. Craft Local is going to be a big one. We're um, still working on putting together more venues and then a schedule of how things are going to play out too. Yep, so you can plan your festival experience. Um, we'll be putting out, as Mary-Kate mentioned, uh, some podcasts that are like Dry Fest podcasts where, where we'll at least have music from all the music artists and then hopefully also some like phone interviews or shit like that with some of the um, other artists or whoever really. Uh, Yeah, and if you are interested in volunteering please let us know. We always need more help so contact either Phil or I or hit us up on Waste Division. We could always use little bit of hands yep and you can actually email julia louise dryfest at gmail.com um i think there's some dots in there julia dot louise 
Dryfest at gmail.com but I think both of them work actually yeah. I tra- tested it it's weird but um, yeah yeah so uh, volunteers can help with security or selling tickets or um, housing artists which is kind of fun you could have like a weirdo artist stay on your couch or whatever um, or camp in your yard which is fun and eat all your food and eat all your food and if smoke you are your weed so, probably too yeah if, if you're into that we uh, connect 420 friendly artists with 420 friendly volunteers and it could kind of be fun I think yeah so um yeah any what's the volunteers oh sponsors also we're gonna be uh, putting out sponsor stuff if you happen to know anybody uh, business owners in the area in Montana or Billings who um, think that their product or whatever is good uh, with the dry fests shit <laughs> then uh, tell them to hit us up uh, if we like their shit then we'll uh, definitely take money from them so yeah totally yeah <laughs> um, I think that's it uh, Bob Bowman he's playing underneath us I don't did I mention that you did yeah okay yeah. so um, check him out I'm really excited about him got some heavy jazz shit happening this mm-hmm. year so that's yeah. sweet oh um, yeah uh, okay so this episode of waste books is about the princess bride yeah. Do you know that storybook I uh, do. movie? Yeah. Yes. Did you read the book ever? I have not read the book, yeah. but the movie is classic. So. Totally. Mm-hmm. Well, it was interesting because as we talked about it, we found that like it seems like most people probably just saw the movie. Yeah. And the book is Well, different. that's kind of how it goes and in most cases. Goes, so. right? Well, especially with like a big ass hit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it's by, oh, shit. I need to look up. Can, do you want to talk about some other stuff? Me? Yeah, uh, just talk about yourself maybe. Yeah, well, I've. Getting, getting over this cold and I'm just kidding uh, no, what you could talk to, about that Yeah, <laughs> I'll talk about maybe interviews I've been trying to think of like really interesting questions like yeah. where do you clip your toenails and what's your favorite patch of body hair on your body and stuff like that so That's if you have any interesting questions too that oh, yeah. you might want to learn from the artist let us know because it's always interesting hearing like yeah and we'll like probably just include that and be like hey uh, Wasteoid, what Britney Spears messaged us this question <laughs> for uh, Chamber of Goo. And so we asked him, and then maybe we'll put that on the podcast totally. or write up or whatever. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to extend the invitation for the Waste Books podcast for people to respond uh, to that. I think it'd be fun to start like doing more shit where people send like a voice clip of themselves, like talking about a book and being like, totally. This is what I think of this book, and then we could use that and talk about Everything it. Everything we do is interactive. We yeah. really want to hear from you and hear what your opinion is, get your invoice, and. Yeah, we want to cater towards the audience, kind of. I mean, we're going to do our own thing, but we want to hear from you too, so. Yeah, well, and speaking of that... We're working on our Patreon shit this afternoon. We're a little bit behind. Sorry if you're a patron and you haven't gotten stuff for a month. We're going to do a double bundle. So it's two months in one. It, it means that, like, a homie who usually gets a $5 bundle will this time get a $10 bundle. So, like, a CD or some shit. Yeah, we put together, um, like, really awesome stuff. We're yeah, gonna double yeah. it up. So We're going to get some stuff from festival artists in there, which is kind of mm-hmm. fun. Like, Chamber of Goo, I think, is going to be in there this time. Yep, we got some prints from him. I Originals. was thinking about... Yeah, yeah, originals. I was thinking about getting some albums, uh, CDs or something from Bob Bowman uh, tonight at Walker's. He's nice. playing down there. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, check out our Patreon if you want to get some shit late. But um, usually we're on time <laughs> once a month. <laughs> so. Yeah, usually. We're just getting ready for Dry Fest, so please yeah. forgive us. Yes, yep, yep. Um, okay, so anyway, uh, it's a fantasy romance novel by uh, William Goldman, which I definitely should have known, but I, I'm underprepared. Um, so it, thanks for helping me introduce shit today, Mary-Kate. Definitely, dude. Always. We'll s- see you at Dry Fest. Hell yeah. Cool. Uh, Mary-Kate's been, yeah, um, curious our visual artist so she'll be out are you gonna have a booth i mean to ask you uh am i allowed to have a booth yeah okay yeah uh my artist name is sludge kitty Mm. and that's what i go under for illustrations and weird sculptures and other shit like that so you can also find her on instagram for photography mary kate teske at mary kate teske or just my website mary kate teske.com i'm really not happy with instagram these days so okay cool um t-e-s-k-e Sweet. Uh, thanks, everyone. Here is Waste Books, The Princess Bride. Waste. 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 Books! We don't have to sync it up. <laughs> Recording oh, now. As long as we get that, I got our broadcast. It's fine. I'll be able to. Oh, it. hello. Hey, baby. <laughs> That is a that is a there. ferocious beard, Coop. Yes. Oh, thank you. It's my dad look. <laughs> <laughs> Just a oh, Danny. dad, daddy. I did the I most dad things ever today. I'm so sorry I forgot, guys, but I was I got off work working for the Timber Crew. Listened to a little bit of ba- uh, some uh, basketball podcasts on the way up to uh, my fishing hole, where I drank <laughs> beer and fished until I came home to eat some pizza. Yeah. Damn. When I got the call from Phil, I'm just living that dad life. I was just gonna say that, yeah. <laughs> living that dad life, <laughs> that proper dad lifestyle. Guys, I've missed you. I yeah. missed you guys too. Damn, this was really hard to figure out. Phil, it's well, kind of hard to hear got... you, honestly. Can you not hear me? How about now? Meh. What's the problem here? You have a shaved face, Philip. I didn't notice that until okay. right now. Can you turn me up, Eric? Can you hear me? Can you now? turn me can on, you, Eric? Can you turn turn <laughs> me on, baby? Yeah. <laughs> How about now, Eric? Yeah, yeah, it's good enough. It's good enough. If you can I I mean I could try to figure out something else. No no no, I can hear you well enough. Don't worry. You're fine, Phil. It's fine. Okay. Let's fucking start. We've been waiting a All long right. ass time. Well, guys, I guess uh, I'll captain the ship a bit. Babel 17. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go again. (laughs) White Noise by Don DeLillo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit, I got the Whoa, what is that? What is what? There's some loud... Loud it sounds white like a jet's getting on. ready to take off. Yeah. Is your maid vacuuming or something? Who's that? I yeah, was switching Phil, between. Is your, is uh, your maid shit. vacuuming? No. <laughs> I, I, Phil, I am is your maid, maid vacuuming? <laughs> I, I cannot afford a maid. <laughs> because I am one. Uh, no, what? I'm sorry. I was trying out the headphones, but one of them is dead. I was trying to make it so Eric could hear me better. Oh, yeah. I can hear well enough. You're fine. Okay. All right. Well, let's start then, guys. Okay. So I guess uh, I chose this book, so I'll kind of uh, 
steer this ship. Uh, Wait, do we have to introduce ourselves? Yeah, I was just going to say, who are we? Oh, yeah, What's yeah, happening? Yeah. It's been a long time, you guys. We forgot. Yeah, you're the, right. And we got to do alphabetical order. Alphabetical. Which I fucked up last time. And by height. Oh, shit. I mean, that's <laughs> not. It's like a ratio of some kind. Don't listen to it. <laughs> yeah. The golden ratio of all of the podcast hosts of Waste Books, brought to you by Waste Radio, brought to you by waste-division.org. Just getting those out of the way Waste right now. Waste Division Art yeah, Collective. Yeah, that's right. Hell yeah. Wow, that was a nice, clean way to do it. All right, well, Still uh, alphabetically speaking, let's still get this rolling. Um, oh, I think that's me. Uh, <laughs> hi, I'm Cooper <laughs> Malin. Where the fuck are you? And where are you from? Oh, I'm from... I, I guess I'm from... <laughs> he I guess know. I'm from, from nowhere, really. I, I've just been on the road for Sorry, for where are so you physically residing at? <laughs> I'm in Dixon, Montana. Beautiful Dixon, Montana. All right, uh, this is Dan Nichols in Bangkok. All right, this is Eric out in Eugene, Oregon. This is Jordan in Brooklyn, New York. And this is Phil in Billings, Montana. I'm the only one who said my last name. I feel so stupid. No, I said my last name. <laughs> yeah, I also gave out my oh, social okay. security card, too. Oh, my okay. Number. All right, great, great. <laughs> See, the card let me get my debit card all. <laughs> Three, four. <laughs> CVC, one, two, two. <laughs> 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 Guys, how professional is it that we... Not only cannot like properly uh, introduce ourselves, but we have to remind ourselves and the listeners that we do this in alphabetical order. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think it's, it's like great. I, it's like I said, Cooper. By episode fifty, we'll have that fucking nailed, dude. We'll have a, that nailed by episode fifty. Deal. Somehow, I feel like huge. we won't. Which we'll celebrate yeah, we fifteen years from now. <laughs> that's about our pace. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, about our pace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll still have one kid, and you'll all have zero. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. <laughs> Let's get into this. I was, I, yeah. I'm really excited to talk about this book. Yeah, me too. I fucking, I'm really glad I picked this book. Okay, so we. The Princess Bride, 1973 fantasy romance novel by American writer William Goldman. It's based on the movie, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a novelization of the movie. No. <laughs> That's the one I read. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just read the script, bro. <laughs> All jokes aside, what was really fun, just like diving right into it, was that William Goldman also like wrote the movie. Uh-huh, and so yeah. like whole passages of this book was lifted for the movie, yeah. which yeah. I like wish I'd never seen the movie because the book was so much fun. And like, you knew every twist and turn, like you knew everything that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, I, I haven't seen the movie since what, uh, since reading the book for the first time. Oh, really? I mean, we, you've seen the movie before though. Oh yeah. So many. Yeah. yeah, yeah oh yeah. yeah. I figured we all had. Has everyone well, here seen the movie? Yeah, I have only mm-hmm. seen yeah. it once. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, Phil, you've only seen it once. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. In school. Oh, oh really? really? Oh, yeah. it's, I f- it's great. I feel like for me, it was like on stars at like three thirty p.m. every day for like months when I was a kid. Like I swear, I saw it so many times on like AMC. Yeah. Coming home from school and just like laying in front of the TV and watching it. Hmm. I think that's I weird because I was a I was definitely a TV kid, but. 
Hmm. I guess I didn't. Catch were it. you did, a star, a stars kid though? Yeah, did you I have wasn't cable? A stars kid. I was a cable kid, and I was kind of a AMC guy sometimes. But so, like, you had a maid who came Monday through Friday, but not on the weekends. <laughs> yeah, and I could only watch TV <laughs> from when I got home from school until when I went to school in the morning the next day. <laughs> Phil, I can barely hear you. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. You too, Dan? Oh, yeah. there you go. There you go. Oh, there you there you, you came in loud and clear there. Yeah. Th- there. Yeah. Yep. You just you weren't yep. opening your mouth when you were talking. Before. You got to really open the throat, Phil. <laughs> yeah, you have to open your mouth. Why <laughs> uh, so? So okay. we all watched the Princess Bride movie, and we're here to talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome Thank to you. Waste Movies. <laughs> Two <Yeah>. thumbs up. <laughs> My jaw yeah, dropped when I saw this movie. Uh, this should, we another, reenact, uh, should we just reenact it, each pick characters? <laughs> that was a subtle slam on Robert or Roger Ebert. <laughs> Got him. Got him. Got didn't him. he have like his jaw removed because he just was so lame <laughs> <laughs> about movies yeah. <laughs> uh, all right so it's one of those hi laura i was just thinking about laura because she complains about how we take like 10 minutes to actually start this is perfect no no i love it this is our style guys <laughs> this is our style laura it's being like a casual though. Casual, you know, we have at least mentioned the book, <laughs> so that you yeah, have we mentioned have today. It. Okay, well then, uh, let me uh, uh, guide this boat back on track, guys. Yeah, trick. Let's toward get the, that boat back on the track. Back on track toward the cliffs of insanity. <laughs> it's a boat train. It's that boat train. <laughs> okay, so one thing, as we mentioned, you or you mentioned, Coop, uh, about this book is that William Goldman, for the movie adaptation, also wrote. The, helped write the screenplay and mm-hmm. uh, I think one thing that was interesting about uh, his biography is that he was like a screenplay a screenwriter and a playwright like before he ever wrote this book well didn't he, he write he wrote the screenplay for Butch Cassidy Sundance Kid yep all the presidents men one. yeah and so he was already like working in Hollywood and I think he had written some books as well let me look um but I thought that that uh, lent to a really awesome, like, engaging style of writing that he used in this book because it definitely felt very theatrical in reading it. And mm. uh, the, the, the whole abridged style of uh, writing he did where he kind of cut down the, uh, in quotes, cut down the... Uh, Original. You know, right, into, oh, like, yeah. the action parts. Let's mention that first, because when you first get the book, how the book is set up, it, it I'm just like looking at the front page of mine, and it says, The Princess Bride, S. Morgenstern's classic tale of true love and high adventure, mm-hmm. the quote, good parts version abridged by William Goldman. So the entire conceit of the book is that William Goldman, as a kid, was read this story. Right. Um, which, it, it's like a, a historical novel of the country of... Uh, Florin. Florin? Yeah. yeah. And so when he he tried to get the book for his kid, and when he read it, he realized it was super boring. And his dad had essentially, like, 
just read to him the fun parts. So that's the whole conceit is that he wanted to then write it for American readers and he just cut out all the boring parts of this original, like super boring, dry, satirical text. Historical, it seemed like it would have been written with like a lot of technical attention to like actual like family lines and shit, like something Mm -hmm. that would have been funny in the medieval times, but like... Is well, not really... the story goes like this, right? It's like um, his dad used to read him this story uh, when, when he, he would sick. go to bed. Yeah, when he was a kid. And then he wants, he wants his own son to experience the magic of the story, right? Uh, so he, he, find, he finds a copy for him and the kid doesn't like it. Right? That's how he finds out it's like a really long, boring tome. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. It's because mm-hmm. he just gives it to the kid and the kid's like, I thought this was hot garbage. And he looks through and he's like, oh, wow, of course you did. He spends 70 <laughs> pages talking about the trees of Florin. Right. Or um, what? Oh, about there's a one about like the wardrobe of Prince Humperdinck or something. And yeah. he's like, he goes on for 90 pages to describe <laughs> all the different kinds of accessories and mm. all things like what did that. You guys, what did you guys think of that tone? I thought I it was thought hilarious. It was really funny and an interesting like framing of the whole thing, right? Where... Especially, like, I was coming at this from, like, my usual framework about, like, marriage. And it was interesting because even that dude, uh, Don Corcoran, that I interviewed, Mm -hmm. who's a fundamentalist Christian, talked about how he was really into the Princess Bride and kind of cited that as something that informed his, like, personal narrative about love, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is funny because it's a satire, like, as I thought of it. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting is like this, the, the setup that William Golden does in the book about his own life is completely fictional. Yep. Yeah. L- like he, he doesn't hate his kid. I don't even think he has a son. I think he has like a daughter. No, he's yeah. very much. He has oh. two daughters. And he he's has, very he's, much in love with his wife. But aren't they, are they not divorced? No, no. no like he's he, he just made that all up. Oh, so, so that the, is yeah, well, but part of it, part of it was true, right? Because he talks that about like funny. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, right, right, right. right. So, yeah. so there's parts of it are real, but I, I love how he, he's always uh, he's always giving his son shit, mm-hmm. like calling for him being fat. like fat. Yeah, yeah. He's always like, my son could lose like, my son could lose like tons of weight. He could become skinny <laughs> and he'd still be fat, basically. <laughs> what he says. So it, I didn't it, even look up about the, how he uses that as, like, the trope in the book or, like, the kind of plot device that he's abridging a book in quotes right, uh, yeah. until I was done reading. And then when I, like, looked into it more, I was like, oh, my God, he just made all of that up. Like, this oh, is yeah. just, like, a whole plot device. And so what I read is that uh, the, the, where he got the idea from was his, he has two daughters, and uh, apparently one of them at – one night before bed wanted him to read a story or make up a story about princesses and the other wanted him to make up a story about brides and so that's where he came up with the title and the idea and he wrote the first two chapters the groom uh the bride and the groom mm-hmm. and he wrote those as if he was going to write it like a regular novel and but he said he like came to a point where he like was like had writer's block and couldn't get any further and so he had for some reason had this idea to write an abridged book acting as if this was an old book that he used to read and Mm -hmm. it was like easier for him because then he didn't have to write all those nitty-gritty details he could act like those things existed but just write the fun parts well and then he even is able to take it to an absurd level right like in the first chapters 
where he's establishing like the bizarre time scale that's happening where it's mm-hmm. like after Paris and after America, but it's before what was the the thing that it was before? I think it was like after like before Paris. It it was something like where Paris was a real thing, but so was like Babylon or Sumatra. Yeah, it was all mixed and up. And blue jeans, too. He's like, yeah, blue <laughs> jeans were invented yeah. long before anyone really... Yeah, yeah he had very clever, like, ex- explanations for things that obviously didn't exist at whatever time period he was trying to portray. Personally, right. though, I... Because, so, the, how the how the actual print is when you read it is, in the italics, is when William Goldman is then butting in. Right. To let you know about a piece he's cutting out, or there are some stretches here where he goes into... Uh, uh, actual real uh, his real life in which he's like interacting with his kid or he's interacting with that young starlet at the pool talking to his wife trying to get the book and I I think I've just read so much of this like late 70s early 80s like super dry sarcastic humor I think of like early Tom Robbins where I'm just I just can't do it anymore and and so I, I found myself reading his like italicized personal asides to the reader very frustrating where i was just like yawn seen this yeah. like been here done that i can see that and uh it's funny because he would use those portions to be like i cut out some really wordy dense like boring stuff and he like would tend to get kind of wordy and dense with those sections sometimes right I mean, I like the, original, the 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 conceit of it being this huge long text that his his Florinese father, which is you know a made up country, mm-hmm. who could barely speak English, they didn't really get along. But he read it, read him this story once when he was sick with pneumonia. Um, I thought that I thought that was like a touching and a really nice idea. And the dad himself was the one who abridged it for the kid. He's the one that originally cut out all the boring stuff, that's why William Goldman in this fictional universe didn't know about all the boring stuff until he saw it much later when he was an adult. I enjoyed that. I think I just got really tired of this sort of, like... Ironic. Yes. It's, like, ironic, uh, self-aggrandizing humor. Um, I just, because I I really, the Princess Bride story itself was, it's so much, it reminded me why I love the movies. It was such a fun story. Well, yeah, I, was, I almost... Oh, go oh, ahead, Jordan. Go ahead. Are you sure? Yep, go, go. Okay. Uh, I was going to say that I felt the opposite way a lot of times where I got sick of the kind of fanciful fantasy parts. I'm not a big fantasy guy uh, in, the, in the novel, but when he would come in with the italicized parts that was in his voice and there would be these digressions, to me, they're always welcome because I was so surprised at how... I mean, this was published in 1973, and mm. the level of irony that he's capable of, I thought, was pretty ahead of its time. Um, that kind of tone is just so comfortable nowadays in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, it was a good way to like have commentary on storytelling in general, and was entertaining to me. And it, it also it was nice, sort of confusing uh, that idea that Morgan Stern was a real person when he's obviously not and the ways that he could convince you that he was real and I was convinced I mean I was convinced he was real until I went online after reading 50 pages but right. it's it's really 
it is believable to a certain degree for quite some time. Well, then uh, it, 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 like, it does that thing where it makes you believe in the S. Morgenstern until you're like, no way, this isn't real. But then it makes you believe the story that William Goldman's telling about his own life, which is super not like on just as not real as the Morgenstern story, which mm-hmm. I can appreciate as this sort of like Kaufman, you know, Andy Kaufman S style, like prank where it's like, I'm going to be honest with you, but by being honest, I'm telling just a bunch of lies on top of all the other fictional lies that I'm telling you. And, uh, I, I like the tone. He, he seemed pretty unpretentious, especially in the, like when he just the fictional accounts of his family, like he, he's not afraid to take the piss out of himself. Like what he, he portrays himself as in a family situation where his son doesn't give a shit about him and his wife. What she's like a famous psychologist, so she's always child psychologist or child psychiatrist. Right, so she's like always reading into everything he says, and they have a loveless marriage. It's very Freudian. See, I hated that. I cannot stand that sort of like. I I read him almost as a Woody Allen character, and I I have a hard time, like watching those characters in movies or books where it's this weird like i'm aware of myself in my shitty situation but i'll do nothing to change it <laughs> and i'm like oh god yeah i know what you mean yeah like the the, the self-aware uh scumbag like the, the uber self-aware person who will do nothing to change their own status in life like he's right. just a total he's just a total cuck and I just like I have to hang out with <laughs> alphas. I guess just like I, I, I guess as a screenwriter as a screenwriter I expected him to have a All I'm saying is I talked to my friends ass. on our red pill and they all agreed with me. That the this book is like a total soy boy cuck book, and I don't know why I wasted my time reading this. A soy boy cuck book. I bet William Goldman's skull here, was Cooper. so shallow. You you watch your tone. I this looked is, at his skull. This is and my like, shit. He didn't. You want to swab the poop deck? <laughs> I had to go there. That's fine. What were you gonna say, Dan? Oh, no, I was just gonna say that um, coming from the guy who wrote the screenplay for the. For Butch Cassidy and the the Sundance Kid, uh, I mean, he could have nice Philip. He could have uh, come off. You're fine. He he could have come off way more pretentious and arrogant. I thought. I don't know. I just kind of assume anyone who works in movies has their head up their ass. Yeah, and yeah. I, he didn't really come across very modest. That. Yeah. I Should we watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid real quick? For waste money. Put it on, put it on, yeah. All right, guys. If you're listening, we're gonna pause it here. Pause it here. Go and listen, what? or go watch Butch Casting the Sundance Kid, and then we'll come back. We could just do a reaction podcast as we're watching the movie together. That movie was so good. I love Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. After watching it with you guys, we watched it. And we're back. <laughs> wow. That's Where Hollywood magic right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I personally, I agree with you, Dan. I didn't feel like he was pretentious. I think he played on my absurd sensibilities a lot. I am very much into fantasy and, like, uh, in my own writing, feel like I write very absurdly and look at the world that way. So I think this book really tickled my fancy personally because he was being outwardly absurd and uh, 
not trying to place absurd things in the real world, but making his world a little bit absurd so that mm. these absurd ideas could fit. And uh, for me, I like I could not put the book down and like every part, whether it was him talking about his own life and like and I totally I didn't realize it was all a farce until I was done reading it. And then I was like, oh, my fucking God, he just tricked me. I didn't even look up anything about it. <laughs> trick the trick. Right. It's much more of a spoof on like fairy tale romance stuff than like the movie. Right. Because the movie yeah. the movie has jokes and mm-hmm. the, like the movie has like, you know, it, it's a humorous movie. But it's not the same as the – it doesn't have the same tone as the book where like the to- – I remember one of the first things that struck me is like when he first describes Prince Humperdinck, he's like Prince Humperdinck realized he was the age to get married. So he called a conference with his parents and he's like, all right, I guess it's time to get married. Let's choose one and get it over with. Right. I, I, I don't know. Like it just seemed much more, I don't know, ironic or, or more of a spoof than the movie did. Because the movie did seem, you know, at the end of the day, it was still kind of faithful to itself as a romance. Mm. Well, the the huge difference being we all – so I was surprised by this. We all know how the movie ends. It ends happy. The book <laughs> doesn't end happy. In fact, he alludes to the fact that what he told us is not how the book actually, actually. ends. And the book actually ends in another series of, like, ironic and absurd twists that lead the reader being like, oh, they didn't get away just fine. Mm-hmm. None of that, like, nothing was happy about the ending. But, you know, as he points out, I'm not trying to make this a downer, understand. I mean, I really do think that love is the best thing in the world, except for cough drops. But I also have to say, for the umpty umpth time, that life isn't fair. It's just fairer than death. That's all. That's the that's what he leaves us with in the book, and you would not get that if you would just watch the movie. No, because if no, you no, no. if you remember, like he gives us like, and then they all rode away on the white stallions, and then he goes, just to, uh, um, oh, what was it? Uh, oh, I found it right here. Here, may I? It's right yes, before please. the end. All right, so uh, so I think they're. They're riding on the white horses, and the buttercup looked at him. Oh, my, Wesley, well, so do, do I. Do, stop real quick. Go, go to the paragraph before where he, like, sets it up. He goes, the truth was my father was fibbing. Okay, yeah, all right. The truth was my father was fibbing. I spent my whole life thinking it ended that way up until I did this abridgment. Um, then I glanced at the last page. This is how Morgan Stern ends it. So his father told him that it ends just like, like you know, how we all know. After. Right. Yep. All right, Buttercup looked at him. Oh, my, Wesley, so do I. From behind them, suddenly, closer than they imagined, they could hear the roar of Humperdinck. Stop them. Cut them off. They were admittedly startled, but there was no reason for worry. They were on the fastest horses in the kingdom, and the lead was already theirs. However, this was before Inigo's wound reopened and Wesley relapsed again, and Fezzik took the wrong turn, and Buttercup's horse threw a shoe, and the night behind them was filled with the crescendoing sound of pursuit. And that's yep. it. That's how it that, ends. That's it. <laughs> well, and you know, if you think about it, uh, when you said like his father, like the line that said my father was fibbing, he had cut stuff out for his son. Um, th- I think another reason they did that in the movie is because <laughs> the whole uh, plot device with the movie is that the grandpa is reading to uh, his kid, and that's how you're getting the story. Remember, it's like the oh, kid you mean is Columbo. Sick. Yeah, is that who it is? Yeah, it's Columbo. Uh, it's, it's, Fred, it's Fred Savage, isn't it, as a kid? Yeah, the kid is Fred Savage, and the guy's from Columbo. Years. 
Yeah, and Wait, so that what? makes sense. Yeah, you didn't know it was from Wonder Years? And they loved I, the Cubs. I, I don't know who Fred Savage is. Type oh, right. Yeah. I remember that. I remember yeah, the Cubs. Yeah, well, and so that's kind of a, an interesting idea that he ended the movie no the way in the happy ending. Obviously, it's a Hollywood movie, but right. also because they're using the device of the grandpa reading to the kid just like he had his dad reading to him in the book who told him it was a happy ending. Right, because in the movie, the dad died of AIDS. <laughs> right, because it was like the late '80s, I think. Yeah, the dad was a closet gay. He was a closet gay who frequented saunas in the Chicago meatpacking district. Oh, I missed that part. Was that an epilogue? Yeah, I I got this weird like Albanian cut that I watched. <laughs> they were all actors who didn't look like they were in the actual movie, but I just ignored that. <laughs> like, oh, all right, this seems legit. Ah, cool, 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 cool. Thanks for the subtitles. I would have never got what's going on. Um. Well, uh, maybe let's transition from that. Well, because it's, it's, I was thinking about how we would talk about <laughs> just to move on. Uh, I was thinking about how we would talk about this, and it's difficult because I don't think many people have read the book, but yeah, so but, much has not been changed from what is in the movie. Literally, it's I like when I was reading the book, like a lot of the dialogue I remember from yeah, the movie, exactly, and I could hear it in the actors' yes. voices. That was a big problem for me because I do, I love the, I fell in love with the story. Like you, I read this so quick, it was a, a just, I just kind of flew by it, and I kept thinking when I'd come across these lines that I had known, I'm like, I wish I had not seen the movie because this would seem like such a really fun book just to pick up. And totally. like, I had all the lines. I knew what was coming. The man in black, like I was wondering, I was like, the, I wonder if you would think the man in black was not in fact Wesley if you had never seen the movie because he does a good job of just being like, Wesley's dead. Right. And now there's just this, this man in black. Obviously you can kind of do an A to C, you know, the B he kind of hid. But I was thinking, I was like, I wonder if I would be a little bit more like curious or surprise when it's revealed that it's Wesley, who's the man in black, who was hunting her to save her from the three, as right. opposed to just being like, oh, that's Wesley. I know it's like, yeah. I know everything that's going to happen. That's a good point. Um, the movie wonder, has been such a cultural staple for our generation. It's a like. huge, it's huge, right? Like, I don't know. It would be, it would surprise me if I met a person who had never at least yeah. at one point seen parts of The Princess Bride. It is such a huge, like, cornerstone for a lot of pop culture. All you have to say is marriage. Exactly. Which is literally in the right. book, too. Like, that's also in the book. Yeah. Yeah. As you wish. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. What are the other um, memes of Princess Bride, we could say? That's brilliant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, um, I wanted to talk about how the movie and the book are different, though. Like, okay. As much Please. as they are similar. Yeah. I think, and I haven't seen the movie for a second, so you guys will have to help me out. It's also like, been a second for me, too. Yeah. But I, 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 I have we'll a pretty good other. memory. For example, does the um, movie have, like, part of the whole intro where the guy, like, hates his son, kind of, and, like, his no, wife also? No, 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 no. See, so that's something that's missing. So um, the whole then, setup, the whole setup is that you're watching it as just based on the book. Fred Savage is essentially playing a young William Goldman because the whole premise is that he gets yeah. sick with pneumonia. He's in bed. He's bored, and his grandpa comes and reads him the story, and that's all we know. Okay. There's no like okay. meta New York publishing 
life in Hollywood. So that's like, well, and that that's like natural enough because that would be kind of hard to can. That'd be yeah, that'd be pretty hard to film. But like, I think this goes to a larger thesis that I am maybe developing. Um, so like another thing that's missing from the movie, I think, from shit I looked up when when I was kind of just bored, like looking things up on Reddit or whatever. Um, I don't think the discussion of, like, all the different beauties in the world that, like, fell before it came down to Buttercup. No, which I actually Uh, enjoyed. I I kind of – it was an interesting idea of, like, beauty in the world in which, like, there is a definitive, like, number one, number two. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah. Like, that there's, like, a top 20 ranked, like, they're fucking right. baseball players or something. And how really and how funny. everyone just knows, and, like, when when they move rankings to, yeah, it's just, like, a yeah. thing that people are like, oh, yeah, now she's number six. I also right. read it as, then, as, like, a writer thinking, I'm like, that's the most brilliant, lazy writer thing. You don't have to actually ever <laughs> describe Buttercup. You just have to say, oh, she's the she's number really one beauty. beauty in the world. <laughs> and, like, you, the yeah. reader then gets to imagine that. Well, he does say autumn hair. Yeah, no, he does like some some very base descriptions of her. So you have an idea, but he doesn't. He just can just say she's the most beautiful person in the world, and everybody knows it because everybody has this intrinsic understanding of who's like on the leaderboard. Just like everybody understands right. like who's now on like the all like the NBA all team. You know what I mean? Like who got snubbed, who got exactly. flubbed, who gets the max contract, yeah. who lost it because they didn't get voted in. Just classic basketball talk. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, dude. I have no idea. Dude, Zion going to the Pelicans? Fuck yeah! Welcome, welcome to Dad Corner. Who's gonna win in six? Is it the Raptors? Is it gonna be the the Milwaukee Bucks? Who knows? Bucks. Who cares? Actually, I, I do want to check who did win that game tonight. It's a tight series. Um, it's pretty intense. Okay, so okay. So the other thing that's different, yeah. as we talked about, is the endings, right? Yeah. And like, so I think it's. I don't know. Maybe also, interesting. Go ahead, Trick. Oh, also, they didn't do like the backstories for Fezzik and Inigo in okay. the movie. Not you as know, much. They yeah. had like there's pretty long scenes in the book of like showing them growing up and be, why uh, Fezzik is so good at fighting and like why mm-hmm. he has this drive and why Inigo is like uh, such a good swordsman and stuff. Right. Um, and which I actually really enjoyed some of those scenes of it, like. Uh, I think their char- his characterization of these uh, people was just really good and silly and uh, yeah, out of depth. He was, he's very yeah, and he's he's really good at crafting like plots. I feel like I feel like there were so many plots within this plot that uh, yeah, you know, it kind of was a fun, fi- a varied experience. No, totally. When I was, was reading this, I couldn't help but think I was like, well, when I came into this, I had like just seen only a little bit of the story but as i read there was so much beneath it and i realized like this whole story was kind of like an iceberg in which you only get to see the top 10 percent, and then there's like 90 percent of the iceberg it's just underneath the water so the movie was like the tip of the iceberg damn it that one took me a second i thought you were serious yeah <laughs> And today, uh, this episode's Iceberg, brought to you and sponsored by... Oh, are we getting sponsors? Are we getting paid yet? Are we getting uh, sponsored by Icebreakers? Every time we say Iceberg. Is it the gum? <laughs> do, you, do you know how to break yeah. the ice? <laughs> <laughs> this was a short book. This, there, was a, there was a lot packed in here. My, my copy was 283 pages. Oh, really? My copy is like 440 But pages. you also have the large print for slow readers. 
Uh, <laughs> I did. Well, Large print for bad did eyes. Did yours include? Did Coop? Did yours include Buttercup's baby? No, mine did not. Huh? Okay, see, mine does. Yeah. Did yeah, you guys like read that? Part. Yeah. You yeah. did. Because it's like the unfinished sequel. Like he's never. Well, he found Morgenstern's uh, Morgan Stern's documents somehow. Uh, in in um, in fuck me, Florin. In the real Florin, because Florin's actually a place you can go to still. What? Do, do, do they talk about that in the first in the part that you guys read? Well, Stephen, I think that's Stephen King is from Florin. His family's. From no, Florin. yeah, I think that's all. I think that's all Buttercup's baby. But that shit was hilarious. Yeah, it was very. Stephen funny. King's family's from Florin. Yeah, because so not Stephen King, King, just his family. Yeah, Stephen supposed... King plays a part. Anyway, sorry, keep going, keep going. Yeah, he was supposed to write the screenplay oh. because he's of Florinese heritage, but he knew that Goldman should write it, and then they talk. They have a conversation. He's, like, wearing, like, a lumberjack flannel. And that's like, amazing. Oh, that literally sounds like what Stephen King would say right now. That's <laughs> so good. I'm actually reading Stephen King right now. He is, like, my – I just, like, go to him in times of trouble. Yes. <laughs> is it because you're having a kid? <laughs> we should do a Stephen King book. I would. I'm gonna. I'm gonna suggest that the next uh, time it's my the turn. Shining, actually. Oh, The Shining's so good. Yeah, that'd be fun. Second. Just a little bit of horror. It's a good. It's a like good cover. Too. Are we? Are we calling it? Quits on yeah, it is a good already? cover. Yeah, that's it, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Next week, it's The Shining by Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not next week. That would be fun. Um, fun. (laughs) From now on, we should only do books that have movies. (laughs) So so our listeners don't have to read. Get get ready for a Harry Potter series then. (laughs) Oh, fuck. We're just going to read all of the Game of Thrones. There we go. (laughs) We're only like 15 years too late to actually like be making money off this. (laughs) Right. Um, we could do like a deconstruction after the show is done, and be like, "Oh, there oh, we go. This all, this is all so stupid. <laughs> How a global phenomenon crashed, and we knew it all along." Phil, you said you were you were a big fan. I'm. I was into it, man, and then they fucking tanked the thing. No, How did sh- they? Sh- sh- How did they th- no, okay, never mind. I can't. No, I'm. I'm not caught up, and I want to. I want it to be authentic. I'm just curious about what. Okay, I, I, I'm not going to tell Phil to continue talking, but I'm just curious yeah. how he interprets it as tanking. But later, it's just based a lot the, of a lot of threads built up after yes. seven seasons, and uh, then they uh, tried to uh, do uh, it in in like six episodes, and it didn't work out that well. And I I'm just really so sad under- that the White Walkers fucking rule <laughs> all of Middle <laughs> Earth. God I just don't understand. I just don't understand how a girl can get that powerful that quickly. You know what I mean? Are we really talking about this right now? Because like, <laughs> <laughs> like Eric like, wants his disappointment to be his own. Yeah, they should. They should. <laughs> also, we're not even. We're doing What's a up podcast with Captain about... Marvel. Like, how is she that powerful? <laughs> uh, Daenerys Smooth. is Captain Marvel all along. <laughs> um. So just I, maybe we should just kind of talk a little bit about plot. Or oh, you guys least... want to talk about the book again? <laughs> at least some oh, talk cool. about basketball. Oh, cool! Thanks. At least you know, some central I, I characters. I think I picked this book. I don't know. Who was your favorite characters? Let's do that. <laughs> well, yeah. I thought 
Okay. Well, let's talk about who we have. So we have uh, Buttercup. Then we have Wesley, who is like their indentured servant. The man in black. The man in black, aka the man in black. Very good. Uh, we have Prince uh, Humperdinck, who uh, rules or is soon to rule over Florin. We have the Count Rugen, his right-hand man, who is played by Christopher Guest in the movie. Christopher Guest of, like, Spinal Tap fame. Of, Best in um, Show. Best in Show. Best in Show. Uh, what's um, the... That Christopher a, Guest. Wait, waiting for Guffman. Waiting for Guffman. Yes, that's a that's classic. That's a great one. Yeah. He plays oh a nasty. Oh, Phil, so cute. Sorry, Is that sorry. your new one? I did it to distract you guys because you started talking about the book. Why <laughs> did you get another animal? Because I, I like them. It's just going to die. Yeah, it's just going <laughs> to die. Right. You should kill it That's now on the podcast for ratings. <laughs> no, I was going to let her grow yeah, for there a we year. Go. I was going to let her grow for a year and then eat her. Like oh, let her grow strong for a year. So <laughs> I want to get want her to get fat. <laughs> she's really cute. Her name is Cleo, and she's uh, Domingo's substitute. I like how her head moves. Yeah, her head moves yeah, really cool. She looks like uh, ET or something. It would move. It'd move better if it wasn't connected to the body. <laughs> I will turn her into a ritual piece. We need something to ignite the ratings on this podcast. We need <laughs> listeners, guys. Uh, maybe we should I will kill like... this kitten on online. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll update it on the live stream. We should yeah, put all of our podcasts see. on the live stream. You know what might help? <laughs> Talking about what we're supposed to talk about. So we have Amigo, okay. uh, the swordsman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from uh, Spain. Not to be a dick, but guys, He's we're kind of like not even talking about the book. I just trying. remember live stream. I'm sorry, I just physique. thought of live stream and it bummed me out. From Turkey, <laughs> the strongest yeah, right. man in the whole wide world. <laughs> Keep going, a- Jordan. AKA Eric the jo- Eric, uh, uh, not Eric, Eric Andre. Fuck. Andre Roberta. <laughs> 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 can't keep it together for shit. The worst show on television. <laughs> Eric, Eric Andre plays Fezzik. Eric Tonus, why are you mad at us? You're the one that's failing to fucking lasso us in here. Yeah, you need to lasso us more tightly. Uh, I have tried <laughs> multiple times. All right. Okay, we'll try more. We were just doing characters. Cooper, you're doing a really good job, and then I brought my kitten out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, fuck you, Phil. Yeah, fuck you, too. When's the last time you guys have been on live stream? <laughs> I, I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's a website where you can watch a lot of beheadings and cartel murders. It's like what you do to desensitize yourself when you're 14 and you're just like, I like watching these videos. And then by the time you're 18, you just watch them without blinking. Because it's cool. (laughs) Call of Duty Online makes you cool. Um, (laughs) Anyways. The characters, who's your favorites? Yeah, Yeah. you haven't answered your favorite. No one's answered. I said Anigo like so many times. I love Anigo. I said okay. Anigo. Uh, what'd you say, Jordan? Uh, I said Anigo, and I said it first. Shit. Oh. <laughs> I guess I like Buttercup. 
<laughs> this is like if we're on the playground right now or eight <laughs> yeah. years old. Yeah, exactly. I call, I call it ego. Uh, I really like Fezzik because he likes... I like Fezzik too, man. He's like, he's bizarre because he always rhymes everything to like remember things and I think that's kind of... Because he's basically, he's on the spectrum. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's yeah what our modern contemporary audiences would say. He's on the spectrum. I think earlier they say he's just fucking slow. I think they used to call him just slow, but now but, we would yeah. say he's on the spectrum. Yeah, I think. That's yeah, right. he's a bit of a mongoloid. <laughs> <laughs> The boy's got mush for brains, but he's strong as an ox. <laughs> uh, what was the Sicilian's name? I think uh, you're just the Sicilian. Venzini. Oh yeah, Venzini. 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 Okay. I like I like the scenes with him and in, in him involved. Like, he was maybe not my favorite character, but I thought it was always with Inigo and Fezzik are always like like anytime. Vizzini leaves them they're like oh shit we can't think about this like, <laughs> yes. like oh we, we just don't have the mental resources to plan out where to go or what to do like we just have to wait for him to tell us what well cause they end up hooking up with do. Wesley the man in black later right that's after yes. but before so how we're introduced to them is those yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. trio they've been uh, they've been uh, hired to kidnap uh, Princess Bride the prin- Princess Buttercup make it look as if the Gildians the Gildarians? Yeah, like that, that, that's like their rival country. Exactly. Yes. yes. And and so so they're they're like hired hired swords who, who are supposed to kidnap the princess, take her to the border, and kill her, uh, before the man in black uh, mysteriously saves her. So that that's how we are first set up with them. They become like big players in the story. But as it stands right now, the Sicilian is the smartest man on earth. He's hired Fezzik, the strongest man on earth, uh, and Anigo, the, uh, uh, the swordsman. And by I, I laughed every time I mentioned it because he created this new spectrum where he said, "The there's not just masters, there's wizard swordsmen." Yeah. Uh huh. And he and Inigo was a wizard. He was a wizard, which was like the best swordsman you could be. And I don't know. I it gave me a chuckle because it was just so silly for some reason. No, totally. I I. Well, the, he, the whole time he's training to become a master, right? Right. And then he asks right. that guy. He's like, "No, you're not a master. You're a wizard. You're a wizard, it's better. Inigo. <laughs> you're it's, a wizard. It's, it's like way cooler, bro. Masters are like so lame." 2000 late. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at Hogwarts alumni shirt I have on right now. Yeah, hey, there we go. go. You can buy that on our website. Waste that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want to get any weird legal I shit. I also promo code and <laughs> Yeezys. It's snuff films of Eric's, of uh, yeah. Phil's cat. <laughs> you can find the live watch. stream of this on our website for nine ninety nine a month. <laughs> <laughs> please, uh, please! I need diapers for my baby. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> your Kickstarter wasn't working out that well, no. so now you're just selling everything you can get your hands on <laughs> through the Waste Division store. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you guys all part get of our 
<laughs> As part of our Patreon deliveries, you just get like parts of a dead kitten in the mail. <laughs> Y'all are going to get subpoena because it's going to be on y'all's credit cards. <laughs> sure. Ten, uh, according a to donation records, of $10 will give you an ear. <laughs> you purchased. Uh, a leg of one orange and white striped kitten? <laughs> Guys, this is our last podcast on the real web. From now on, we'll be streaming on the dark web just to make a little bit more money. You can visit us you on can... the Tor website browser to find us at www. Cooper's selling his left eyeball as part of our Patreon. <laughs> you can watch it, too. <laughs> Uh, Inigo is definitely my favorite character, though. <laughs> Why? But what's interesting was I, they changed, like, the scars on his face. Uh, that's a, a change. Because in, so? in the movie, he has, like, they're running down his cheekbones. And it's, like, very cool and, like, very sexy. But in the book, it describes it as, like, two parallel bars just, like, running down his right. face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which would be weird to see. Um mm-hmm. Oh, is everybody's recording still going? Yeah. All right. Did you yep. check it recently? I just wanted to see. Yes. Okay. I, so the scars. Sorry. Um, yeah. It, I keep going back to like how much we want to talk about. Like, I, I'd be curious what motherfucker out there has has no idea what we're talking about. Like, who doesn't know this story? Right. I have a question. Yeah. yeah. This might be interesting. This might maybe. Focus this a little bit more. We Would desperately need yeah. that. <laughs> Would you guys ever consider this postmodern at all? Yeah, you'll have to give me a rundown on what like would be defined That's... as postmodern. Well, Phil, you have an opinion. Well, you do. when when doesn't he have an opinion? <laughs> <laughs> this should be called filthy talk. You know what I'm saying? Okay, are you done? I'm about to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But seriously, fuck you, Cooper. (laughs) The greatest part is I've talked for like 40 minutes of this 47-minute podcast. Yeah, that is the best part. I'm going to get on you for being a filthy talk. And you have red hair, too. (laughs) I can never escape that that. shame. I can never (laughs) escape the shame. Uh, So, I don't know. Like, I thought that what's interesting about the Hollywood thing leaving out that intro is that it, like, that intro is kind of a whole deconstruction of the Hollywood thing, which is the rest of the story. Like... It was really interesting for me to think about that shit with Don and how like a lot of people might have watched this sh- watched this movie and because of what was left out like important little things that were left out didn't really see how much of a parody it was of the whole like mm. romantic picture um and so like people watched it and and this is sort of a problem of satire right like Especially, uh, Cooper, you recommended, I'm going to go ahead and blame it on you, that I listen to this podcast, Come Town, which is just, like, very hardcore satire. Like, very it's off called, the wall, super inappropriate, called? very problematic. Come Town. Come Town. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, and they're like, it's very heavy satire. But if you start, if you like take anything they say out of context, they sound like the worst people on the planet. And so, like, the whole thing with satire is that you could be making fun of a thing, but people might watch it and actually think that what you're making fun of is the serious thing. Like, people will watch The Simpsons and see Homer being a fucking fat-ass dad and actually, and then see their own dad being a fat-ass dad and then just thinking that that's normal and then not actually realizing that it's satire. Right. So... If you take that same framework with The Princess Bride, people might watch the movie that's supposed to be heavily satirical with, like, a postmodern deconstruction built in the intro, which has a guy whose marriage seems to be falling apart. Because I think even in, like, the other intro, he wrote about how he was still married to that wife at the time. Like, did Mm -hmm. he even do a further fictional thing in the, like, 20th anniversary thing? Yeah, they they separated. Mm Mm-hmm. They actually separated. In the in the Buttercup's baby, yeah, which is a again like a fake wife, like it's not even his real wife's name. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, anyway, it seems like if if you don't have that intro, it doesn't like explode the same way, right? And um, it that seems to be an important part of the important level of the satire because it, it undermines far more of like the romantic picture than people seem to think that the movie does. I feel like, like the book feels less romantic than the movie does. Yeah, the movie is yeah. heavily, heavily sardonic, but people right. like watch The Princess Bride and they think it's funny, but they don't think that it's like a fucking big ass joke on how stupid like marriage is, for example. Or the something. book is the book is sardonic. <laughs> so right, Phil, Phil, you saw this as book? an Phil. Did you see this as an attack on monogamy? <laughs> a demolishing of monogamy. I, I saw it as a demolition. Is the word that I really? Uh, okay, sure, sure, sure. No, uh, but it was interesting for me to read it because when I was reading, I was expecting to to find like that romantic picture because of like what I've been talking about with like Don or other people, and right. like what I found was a far more ironic one that was like. Included this top twenty fucking hottest women, like hottest princesses, <laughs> right. which is just like so gross and like pretty funny too. But like, if you had that in the movie, people would be like, "Oh, I don't know if I actually want to be Princess Buttercup." Like, that's kind of gross to be put into that kind of structure. Like, <laughs> to be a top twenty woman, like fuck that. No, totally. I, I, I like that uh, Buttercup's lack of intelligence is always being referred to. Right. Mm, that's right. But well, like, right. people want to be Buttercup too. Right. Well, well, in the movie, in the movie, it's just kind of like, you know, th- that's something that's not really made clear. It's just like Buttercup is like the, the, the beautiful heroine, right? Mm-hmm. Like well, the, dam- pretty, the damsel yeah, so in distress, matter. right? But but in the book, it's like there he's there are times he'll talk about her thinking process and how it's just like not up to par, right? And mm. yeah, you never get that in the movie. It's funny. Do you, think, do, do you think though more directly at Phil but do you think that the book is really that much of a satire on love or or like romantic notions of love because a lot of it seems to be like escapism for the sake of escapism and that realm is its own realm but it's also something that seems to be highly glamorized uh, in a lot of respects like even though a lot of this is absurd and implausible, it's still about attempting these great acts for another yeah. person. 
Well, uh, as somebody yeah. who like as somebody who knows about Frankfurt type media thought, Jordan, like, is there such a thing as escapism just for escapism's sake? Or like, no, I'm not. No, no, I'm just saying that that's what that seems to be what William Goldman is is oh expounding. Sure. I'm just saying that's what his right, intention is. But it's also a story that, that he's handing to his son and, like, that will probably, like, impart some shit to his son, right? To, so, like, there... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. There's a lineage thing where that's just kind of interesting to have this guy, re- like, making a point of telling his son yeah. the story. I mean, maybe and, like, you could argue that it's, like, it's packaged as a love story, but at the end you learn that love is not all it's cracked up to be. Yeah, I mean, I don't know because I don't know if it's saying that love's. I mean, they they still end in love. The yeah. s- the story like doesn't make you ever second guess the love that Wesley and Buttercup have for each other. It just makes you. No. I mean, <clears throat> the ending of the book is that life isn't fair. Not that love, as we understand yeah. it, is based upon weak foundations because I would argue that he constantly is like building up the foundations of Wesley and Buttercup's love like that yeah. that is never made to make like that is never made to feel unrealistic like or, when he's being tortured he like he puts himself away and only thinks of her and that's how he's able to yeah. handle such horrible pain yes his, his like then, love even yeah. Buttercup's decision to marry Humperdinck was that she has made the decision after hearing that Wesley died on the coast of Carolina because of the Dread Pirate Roberts, she would never love again, so she'll just go with whatever happens in life. Yeah. Um, and But even, like, her falling in love with Wesley wasn't, like, the your classic fairy tale, like, love at first sight. Like, she, he was the stable boy for right. her family, and she was actually really mean to him and, like, actually kind of was a, a little bit of an introvert, always riding her horse by herself, and even kind of disliked Wesley until like there's this one scene where she all of a sudden miraculously realizes she actually has loved him all this time and so that that was like i felt like that like was a little different than your classic fairy tale like love at first sight type thing that he was trying to be satirical sure except there's a lot of medieval like night stories that are also about how a poor person can rise the ranks of society through love Mm-hmm. Totally. So that's not that out that far out. Did, of did you uh, did you guys like how the name of the horse was horse because Buttercup doesn't yes. have any original thoughts? Yeah, <laughs> that was no, really good. But how many have you guys met people like that? Like, the, oh, like I, I've met so many people that name their cats cat. Like, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? With a like, K. are you gonna name your son son? <laughs> no, but part of the joke is that it's not a it's not original. That's part of the joke. Right, so, right. No, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I've just met it's people. It's not a genuine name for the Sure, cat. but people do that. That, that. I don't know. I thought it was funny. They do. I just think I've... you're looking for reasons to be mad, Dan. <laughs> Usually, yes. Yeah, Dan, yes. would you call him down? Jesus. <laughs> would you call him? This is a goddamn cat, okay? I've been triggered by the lack of an original name for this horse. Fucking millennials. Because what's really interesting about this... What's interesting is when we started to talk about this idea of irony and absurdity and, and postmodernism, my mind, because it kind of has at points a similar tone as to Voltaire's Candide, which I only thought of until this conversation started to happen. But in Candide, yeah, he is yeah. constantly hammering home the irony and the satire that he's making. I mean, you can never read that book and not understand that it is a satire of his era. 
Whereas in this story, con- I mean, it I would be hard pressed. Like, find me a character in this whose journey or story is not genuine. Like, where's the satire that he's I, making or irony he's making when it comes to Inigo? Yeah, I don't think there is. I don't think this is a satire. I just want to really quickly say that I think it's Morgan Stern's book, The Princess Bride, is a satire on Florinese culture, which has right. nothing to do with what we're really interested in. But we never even see that. Yeah. Because it's boring and we don't care. It doesn't apply to us right, anymore. Right, right, But, um, I mean, whether or not you want to make it meta and then say, oh, if everything's a satire, then Goldman's also making a satire. And you, right. know, you seem to say that it's like some kind of a love interest or like romantic, romantic love or fantasy. It's like a satire on fantasy. Yeah. Right? I, like it, yeah. It's just. Is, is that, that debated? Oh, uh, but it's also it's yeah, also no, fantasy, though. So I don't know how much. Is it really satire if it really is just a love story? Because the other thing I wanted to say is... That's where I'm at. There's so many situations where, like, we seem to be thinking Mm. that they're going to die at the end, and then, like, it was all a fucking joke. But also, is it, though? Because they've been in these situations throughout the whole story, so why wouldn't they just be randomly saved? And I'll also tell you, after reading Buttercup's Baby, they are saved. Right. Um, Whether or not that matters, because that was written 25 years later. Right. Right. I don't know if that's the integrity of the novel is the same. Well, and he's always in his asides with the, like, the abridgment parts. Like, he'll say stuff like, well, obviously they're going to get out of this. And, like, or, like, I had to ask, I got so frightened that I had to ask my dad, are they getting out of this or whatever? And, you know, so he's always making it clear that you're reading a fantasy novel, this is a long book, they're going to get out of these situations. But it's set up as such a comedy with his, like, parenthetical statements right off the bat and, like, his, like, authority. Like his insertions as an author, mm. to be like that's where that's where happened, I got frustrated. Yada yada yada. <clears throat> well, I know, but that's a serious aspect of the tone of the book. Is that? But then like the but in. the actual story he's telling, like I like, what about that is a satire on the fantasy story? Because it's he just wrote like a pure fantasy story. Well, it doesn't matter. Like, you can't separate the two. I think it's more of a satire, not just fantasy, because fantasy is such a wide spectrum of type of of genre. It's more like a satire of a fairy tale, like a princess fairy tale. Like, think Disney well, yeah. princess. Like, think, because by that time, there had already been Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, and Cinderella and some of those movies uh, from Disney. So it's almost like a sat- satirization of like the the typical Disney princess type movie because that's it's much, a, that's where I'm at but it's I feel much like more edgy than uh like those Disney movies we grew I mean, up on there has to, to be a subversion there has to be a subversion of expectations when it comes to a satire like this but there's not it he, if what do you, you mean the do ending it, doesn't come out happy but we just find out that it in fact does and like it doesn't no, matter no but he just is like yeah well it it probably doesn't end happy but like we could say it ends happy. That's literally you, how it ends. If you do a Friends satire and you just remake Friends, you're not allowed to say that it's a satire of Friends because you're not subverting but he didn't expectations. Just he didn't just remake it. Like, he told it with these author- – like, you can't just brush those off, Cooper. Like, what I was – the point I was trying to make a couple times is that you can't separate the story and the way that the story is told. The way the story is told informs how the story is, comes out. And how we think of it. So, like, even though, yes, he had, like, he wrote a, just a fantasy story about, like, a princess, he also told it in a way that, like, undermined 
a lot of its fundaments. Right. I, Love at first sight. I would argue. Uh, well, and I, I wouldn't say that's a fundament because, like I said, I, I don't think that's necessarily part of, like, a romantic picture. Because it's very romantic to think about a rags-to-riches story by somebody falling in love with the right person, too. Right. But Well, it feels as if the fictional writer of this story found it in a time of his life in which he needed this true love story. He's. I don't think he's... Because the, the author of this story is not creating this story, so he's not... Yes, he is. It seems like he just made it the fuck up. No, well, which the, author we're talking about? The fictional William <laughs> Goldman, whose life is falling apart. He's living this like okay. bullshit, bougie New York. Like, oh no! Like he didn't create Princess Bride. He's writing it because he needs that sort of story in his life right now. So he's abridging it. Emperor's progeny, right? I mean, because no, he, he abandons it. He realizes that his son's right. never going to read this fucking book. His son's a dopey, <laughs> fat butterball. So he's writing this for himself. He needs this in his life. His marriage is falling apart. He's, like, successful, and, you know, it's that, like, green so light of Gatsby where it's, like... So that's just another example of it being, like, a highly artificial aspect of his own, art, like, no, psyche. No, it just... It makes him more sad that he needs this so bad that he will, like, retell a fairy tale from his father's homeland to make himself feel better about his own life this fictional goldman i don't think goldman when he wrote princess bride was just truly dreading like a fantasy story i don't think he was trying to like subvert anything because again i i would argue that you cannot call it a satire if you're not subverting the outcome that doesn't work you can't do that jordan can you weigh in you look puzzled and cooper and i just arguing this is hard because yelling at each other God, this is just whispers. I just, it's, <laughs> um, it's just whispers. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, I, f- I feel that you can create a piece of art that some people can misinterpret it and take it sincerely, while other people that understand the codes can see that it is a satire. And I'm, I didn't think that before, but now I'm starting to think that, which technically makes both of you right in a way <laughs> hell yeah where like if cooper is saying that it is like to all the fucking plea the fucking normies that it is just like a, lo- a fun loving story and when you watch the movie it's a fun loving story and that i think doesn't have any irony to it i think that's just kind of playful uh but the story that we're reading here seems to operate on two levels at the same time where it is like a fun romantic story that has at its core about fantasy and fun but also at the same time with the life of the writer seems to introduce this whole undertone of how it's, it's constructed. But I don't know. I, I, I think I lean more to seeing it as uh, just like a fun story. That's, that's just kind of like a little bit more meta uh, at, at the end of the day. And I don't really know if it's a satire. I don't think we would think it's a satire if he didn't talk about um, Morgan Stern's satire whether okay. or not that's like an illusion what, what to like, this is also a satire right? right what about this is it a satire of satire no that's just that's I, trash i just blew your mind that's what youtube videos are no 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 you just blew your mind it's fine you can't even a satire of a satire yeah exactly i think that's that's just like reposting memes that's what that is which i don't believe is actual real content 
You don't believe memes are real content? I don't believe, like, meme people who just repost memes are actually creating content. They're not even real. <laughs> no, they're, they're just man. spreading content. <laughs> I can spread venereal diseases, but nobody's paying me money for it. Yeah, well... <laughs> How do you come up with this? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing that came in your head. <laughs> Venereal disease. Outstanding. You might be able to find someone to pay you for a coop on the dark web. Oh, <laughs> well, you could do that anywhere. <laughs> um, no, maybe it, it was interesting to think about this as a satire. I never did because it just doesn't. The actual Buttercup story. At is it because no you watched the movie first? No, well, it, it never reads, is it? Like, find me a point in which the actual fantasy story reads as some sort of satire of a Whatever, fantasy man. love story. Any fucking page. It's so... No, like, just because it's humorous doesn't mean that it's satire. Hmm, that's tough. That's a tough distinction to make. The I story... Like another word, but not satire. The story is humorous, for sure. And it pokes part fun of at the itself. humor is the satire. Yeah, exactly. Po- no, part of the humor is that this girl named her horse horse, and that the guy has six and that fingers. She's dumb, and that all and has she is, a, is pretty. And has a, there's like a zoo of death and insanity cliffs. Those are like very childish names. I don't think that inherently makes it a satire, hmm. just because it has childish like, or ironic, right? And I it's looked up for- the definition of satire right now. Oh, I it just is, did the it same is a thing noun. again. <laughs> crazy. Oh, we're into a, a I don't Google tell you guys. I don't want to tell you guys what I just looked up. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> How to spread venereal disease most effectively. What does uh, it say, Dan? It says uh, satire is a noun. <laughs> it's the use of humor, irony, exaggeration, or ridicule to expose and criticize people's stupidity or vices, particularly in the context of contemporary politics and other issues. What the hell? Let me look, let's see what Wikipedia. That's Google. Are Fuck Google. You, are you on like Uber? Well, no, that's no, 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 no. Dan, Dan, and everyone. Yeah. I want you guys to know something. I have the Oxford yeah. American and English. Well, it doesn't matter. Oxford American Dictionary, like the fucking yeah. two thousand page one. And every definition I look up on Google is the exact same definition in that dictionary. And that's what fucking English professors use. So, Google really? is always going to be a fucking professional academic definition. Damn. Hey, well, that's good to know. Oh, wow. Yeah. So read it again, then. Well, you don't have to. Uh, here, uh, I just looked up the Wikipedia one, and that here. We, all right, let's compare. Wikipedia says it's a genre of literature, sometimes graphic and performing arts, in which vices, follies, abuses, and shortcomings are held up to ridicule, ideally with the intent of shaming individuals, corporations, government, or society itself into improvement. Although it's usually meant to be humorous, its greater purpose is often constructive social criticism, using wit to draw attention to both particular and wider issues in society. Now, let's go this back. It's getting harder. Okay, you know what? The more, the more, after you I, read that, I, I think I'm tending towards Coop's side. Yeah, because it's, okay, I'm sorry. I just want to say this. I feel it's, when you finish reading the story, you still think it's beautiful, and you still think their love is beautiful. Therefore, it's not a satire. Right. Well, because. Yeah, okay. At, and nothing no, you're reading is unexpected. And at no point are the characters in the story held up to fall. That, I think, is a staple of satire in which Buttercup would fall in love with Wesley. Because of that, she would now suffer a consequence because this is 
a satire of what it means to fall in love with a peasant. Like the going back to again Voltaire, in which all those characters constantly are undergoing extreme, extreme situations, and they're constantly undergoing toils and stress. But because he's making a satire of their religious belief, which is this best, this world is the best possible world, they're constantly just smiling through all the pain, and that is what's funny and a satire about that idea. I think this borders think more on absurdism rather than I, satire. It's just a well, funny part of love the story. satire is how absurd it is. Like Buttercup, I don't know how uh, like actual their love was. It took her so long to figure that out. It took all this bullshit for her to figure out that she like loves this guy supposedly. Doesn't that like, make it so, realistic then? It makes her more fickle. Like why does she have to go Again, through all that Again, making her drama? more realistic? Because <laughs> the, well, the mean, opposite of that would be that she just knew is. instantly. Like, is love this finally stable thing that's, like, supposed to be, like, a no. castle? I don't think he's... I don't think Goldman is aware enough to get to your level, Phil. You know That is so. true. No. Yeah. Dude, it takes a lot of fucking wokeness, dude. <laughs> I, I, like, I squeeze my crystals every morning and every night. <laughs> read, the, read, the, read your horoscope in the paper every morning. No breath of air doesn't have weed smoke in it. Is, is that's how <laughs> woke you have to, you have Dude, to be? Dude, self self care, man. Self care. <laughs> that's that's self care, there, brother. That's right. I, I, I think I'm at talking the end about of the day, man's rights here. Man's <laughs> rights. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, what Goldman is doing is sort of more showcasing this idea of a loss of innocence by ending the book by saying. Yeah, you know, life isn't fair. And then by reiterating the parts his father skipped and making that a central theme, I think the underlying actual point of the story is just to show that sometimes we all just need a good story, but it's always important to remember that there's no such thing as just a good story. Mm -hmm. Life isn't fair. The horseshoe gets lost. Fezzik turns away. I also think William Goldman really just likes adventure stories and wanted to write his own adventure story. I agree. Yeah. And I think he wrote, I think. All the President's Men, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, those are all just like pure genre action movies. Uh And I think some of his other books are uh, adventure books as well. And he was really uh, influenced by that. And. It if was he like was like a David Foster Wallace who take. then just like wrote a Batman movie, I would be like suspicious of the <laughs> Batman movie. Yeah. I'd be like, huh, this feels yeah, potentially yeah. layered with something. I need to read into this. But, but his home- intention doesn't matter per se. Like we could still deconstruct the text whether yeah. or not. Well, are we going down this <laughs> yeah, rabbit hole? <laughs> well, like, Jordan asked about fucking postmodernism and he got my boner going. <laughs> That's all and we've been it, able to it see. It also on the happened to, to <laughs> coincide with my own interests in in this. So, well, I still don't think it is satire in that case, though, just because of the outcome. I Whatever, think, uh, Jordan. I, I almost I had you. <laughs> I'm really proud that I almost had Jordan, though. <laughs> you can get me. That's a, that's a good get, man. <laughs> I don't care about the rest I'm of you, motherfuckers. <laughs> Uh, is Dan still with us? I am. It. Uh, my phone is on twenty percent, so the camera turned off. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what's going on. Well, I was gonna ask if we should get to 
to find all this talk of postmodernism. All this talk of postmodernism made me want a jacket, so I had to turn the camera <laughs> well, off. Uh, let's, let's, let's just transition. Yeah, I think Dan is masturbating off camera right now. Yeah. You do it really Dan, quietly. You That's can... the nice thing about yeah. podcasting is you. It's just audio, so you could do whatever yeah. you want with Dan, your Dan. You can show us. You won't. No one else will see. I, I literally cannot turn my camera on. No, this is a live mm-hmm. broadcast. That's fine. No. That's fine. Don't oh, let me try. Jordan. Right now. Oh, I can't oh, no, turn Jordan's it on. Gone too. Oh, oh, so Dan could turn it on. Weird. All of a sudden, Dan's camera's off. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Can we finish this? I'm just getting mad. No, no, no. Okay. How about let's talk about? Sorry, like, we freaking owned you, you noob. <laughs> 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 so, uh. Here's a thought I had with talking about trying to pinpoint down this book. I think one reason yeah. why it's t- it's hard to pinpoint is because there's the presence of so many different types of plots in this book. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember I took a class in college where we had to get this big ass book called like the seven basic plots in all stories. And uh, I feel like Goldman put a lot of these different types of plots into the book to weave this web of adventure and fantasy together. And I thought I was really impressed by, like, there's revenge and murder. There's rags to riches. Um, there's, like, defeating the monster. There's basically a bunch of these different quests playing against and with each other throughout the whole book. Um, and that's something I really enjoyed about it, trying to also seeing them kind of come together at the end as well. Uh, as far as, like the plot lines like we learn about the uh like here's an example we learn about you know Inigo Montoya's background his his father Domingo was a, a master swordsman lived they lived like a rural poor life and a six-fingered uh nobleman killed him because he didn't make a sword good enough for him and Inigo has spent his whole life training and searching for this six-fingered man to revenge to enact revenge on his father and how uh that ends up coming into play at the end with uh, the Count, who's Prince Humperdinck's right-hand man, being that six-fingered man. And, like, he ties up all these plots. Like, he tries to, at least, tie up all these plots at the end. Um, I don't know. That's, that's something that I uh, I really like about this book. Is well, it was, like it, was, it was really rewarding to have all those, yeah. like, ends tied up, especially after finishing season eight of Game of Thrones, in which none of those... <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> No, I hear you, bud. I, 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 I'm, but yeah, I'm there I think you. It was fun. I think him being a screenwriter really lent to that. Uh, he knows how to tie up a story that people will be satisfied with. Mm-hmm. And so this book was very... Like, even though uh, it was more detailed and a little more uh, edgy and humorous than uh, the movie, um, it still felt very Hollywood type of book or a very movie-like type of book. And, like, keeping you engaged from scene to scene and then tying it up in some way at the end that you can kind of feel satisfied about. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, do you want to give our final thoughts? Oh, okay. I was hoping I mean, that was Eric. Do we do this in alphabetical order, or no? Well, if Eric just gave his, that means uh, what does that, that mean? means we're just gonna wander around for you guys really just two more hours wondering what to do. I mean, I probably will have to go because it's past midnight for me. But. All right, all right. Does that make you sad, Eric? Yeah, it's kind of a short episode for my book. 
Oh, I, I want to hear. Uh, I, I, uh, I'll go next because I, I wanted to say this. Uh, so every time we choose a book for uh, – hold on. Let me get my camera going because I'm talking. Okay. Here we go. Um, watch, watch your lips. Every time we choose a different book for this podcast, I'm, I'm always wondering if I'm going to be able to find it here. And I usually can. Uh, I couldn't with the Argonauts, of course. But I had to really look for this one. Uh, and I couldn't find it, and I didn't understand why. And then I went, oh, let's check the kids' section. I, it was either the children's or the teen section, or like young young teens or something. Uh, I found it. They had a ton, but it was in the children's hmm. section. Interesting. Um, which I, I, so I was initially, I was not excited about this at all, to be honest, Eric. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, great. We're going to read the fucking Princess Bride for our podcast. Fantastic. Um, but no, like, like you guys pointed out, um, all of you said it's a fast read. It was incredibly fast. As soon as you start reading, you start laughing. Um, so my... As soon as you start reading, you start <laughs> laughing. That's a great blurb. That should be a blurb. <laughs> but no, Hi, I, I'm I, Roger I, Ebert. And when, when I read this book, as soon as I started, I, I started laughing. You should put that on a sticker. No, uh, my, what I meant to say, what I meant to sound but like an I got adult, my pills recalibrated and I never laugh anymore. Right. I meant to sound more like Good an try, adult Cooper. when I said that. Uh, what I, I guess what I meant to say is that my attitude did a my attitude toward the book did a one eighty real quick. Um, well, I, no, I was I initially not excited. Well, you, Jesus Christ, this is my final thought. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, Eric. That's your deal, man. I, I let the man you, give his final thoughts. It, it was a pleasant surprise for um, my, my initial reaction to reading, having to read this book, uh, changing completely. It was, a, it was a pleasant surprise. I really enjoyed it. And the humor is, it's well done. And about halfway through, I realized that probably people of any age could probably read this and find it funny, which is weird because you don't really get that. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't read a lot of humorous things that I could show children. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's that, that sounded weird too. Fuck. Um, I'm just gonna give it. Give child up. porn time. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Phil. Yeah, let's not put that up. What? Let's cut this whole episode. Guys, let's just do another one about sex and dogs. Let, let's cut out everything except for when we talk about Game of That's Thrones. That's what I'm trying to say, Cooper. <laughs> this has pretty much just been a sex and Don part two podcast. Yes. <laughs> no, I love this book. I, 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 so last thoughts is so hard because I feel like I'm constantly giving my last thoughts with every sentence I say. But I, I enjoyed this book. You're it was about fun. To die. I'm always just what on the verge, mean? like. <laughs> no, it was These great. These are I, my last thoughts. <laughs> but I, I couldn't put it down. I started reading it. Um, yeah, it was a quick read. It's quick. I think it was supposed to be quick. It's not supposed to be too complex, too hard. Um, and it was, it was enjoyable. I, it, this is one of the few books that I wish I had uh, read before I ever saw the movie, because I think this would have just made my enjoyment of it so much more. Maybe you would have understood it, too. <laughs> uh, oh, God, Phil. 
Let's hear Phil's We're final that, that's thoughts that's so we can roast word. him over the coals a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. What? Are you going ahead, Phil? Well, I thought you were going to try to talk again. Nope. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, I don't know. I thought it was fun. I was. I definitely had an agenda when I was reading it. I had an axe to grind, because of that citation. Actually, because of that of what that Don guy said, and he was like, um, I don't know. I thought it was interesting that he cited that as kind of a foundation of his monogamy, actually. And I wondered how many people that was the case for. Um, so I was definitely reading for that, and maybe that is a. Uh, a mistake like you know that's kind of a common mistake if you're not actually uh looking at what's going on or like and instead you're trying to apply something that you've already decided um but that definitely informed how i was reading and i thought the book lent itself pretty well to that kind of deconstruction um where like if you think of the princess bride like as the movie was presented without like that bookend um by the author um that oh damn that was a train but you got it i got it i got it i thought that if you read it with that intro and 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 read that the the princess bride story was actually just a big parody of like how think people think of their marriages and their relationships in these terms and romanticize them in these terms and yes this is a fantasy and it might be a satire but the main point is that like regardless sometimes people integrate these stories as part of their reality so when I was reading from that standpoint, it did seem to deconstruct when you looked at like this guy's shitty marriage in the intro and like how he hated his son and how like yet he still wanted to pass on this story that like seemed to lead him to the point that he didn't really like, like, um, I don't know. So I, I do think the book was like a little bit more unstable than you guys seem to think, but that might also be because I just fucking have a big axe to grind these days. So yeah, those are right. my final thoughts, and you, you can roast me for them. But it's like a hate. The so what you're saying, type thing. yeah. So what you're saying, Philip, <laughs> is you didn't give it a charitable reading. <laughs> Wait, didn't give actually, it a, I mean, I enjoyed it, and I thought, I mean, I guess I understand what, or I, I'm, I don't understand what the point of. What do you mean, charitable I, reading? I actually I guess found something. You just you read "Sex at Dawn" and the Princess Bride. That that could be, but I don't know why think, that doesn't have to be a charitable reading. Like I, I think, think I just I think I just saw it on this its own thing. terms and such. But, yeah, I think I just found, I just I just I just saw this. I was on Goodreads. I was looking for like a one star review of this book. Yeah, I found one that might be interesting to you guys. It says. This is one of those books that you have to really focus on while reading, or else you wouldn't understand it. Obviously, because I didn't give two shits about any of the characters, I got distracted often and ended up really confused. I would still like to try a few classics, though, but I probably won't try this one again. It was written by 
Phil Griffin? <laughs> Case closed. We 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 should in all honesty, guys, I, I really I I would love I would love to see us read one star reviews. I wrote that this morning. I was so mad. I was like, this book doesn't make any sense. Fuck these characters. They're just shells of people. Just zombies in this story. Static, static, static. I might check out Moby Dick after checking out The Princess Bride. I don't know. I don't we'll know. See. Heard I just wanted to check good. out some classics. What does he mean by classics? I don't know. What's his idea of a classic? <laughs> it's like one of three classics. Or <laughs> Just Barnes and Noble publishing books. Yeah. Those ones are like five for seven dollars. Yeah. Like these ones. <laughs> yes, those no, bad daddies. In in all honesty, I would love to to have us read one star reviews of the book that we choose <sighs> going forward. I think that would be was that an actual? Well, that's what Cooper's doing. Was that an actual one, Cooper? That, yeah, that was actually. No, that's what I love about that. That's perfect. That's great. That should be our introduction. <laughs> no, this uh, was a really f- fucking. This was a really fun out. read. Should it was my fun. Thought. Yeah. Yeah. Did uh, I get you ever, Jordan? Did I get huh? you yet? Nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> Did you want to know if you won? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> you have it. I won your heart like Buttercup won. <laughs> even though she's a fucking bitch to him the whole time. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. This was, uh, I was kind of in the same boat in a lot of respects as Dan and Phil. Um, Dan, in the sense that I was not that excited because I mean, look at the copy I have here. I don't know if you guys yeah, have this copy. Yeah, yeah. It's like a rom- yeah, it's like a one. romance novel. That's what I have too. That's the, I <laughs> yeah. think it's the movie cover. Wow. Maybe those are the actors. No, it looks like a fantasy painting or something. It, yeah, I mean, it's like highly photoshopped. But <laughs> Uh, anyway it looks um, sick dude it looks really pretty thanks bro uh it was uh, but okay when i read it it was super enjoyable it was very enjoyable uh it was actually hard to read something else that's more oh god literary uh Mm -hmm. afterwards i had to kind of ease into it because this was so enjoyable and easy and fun and mm-hmm. I, I literally was when I had free time, I would try to read as much as this, as I could. Uh, so it was definitely a page turner. I highly recommend it. Um, the only thing I have to quibble with is sort of what Bill was saying about. I don't know. I feel like monogamy. Was, was it monogamy? No, it wasn't monogamy. <laughs> but, uh, maybe maybe indirectly, but <laughs> the, the sense that he's making fun of love, but also approving of it at the same time. It seems like mixed messaging. Uh, that was one thing, but I, like he could have ratcheted down on his message a little bit more with like a second pass through or something. I mean, it would have been nice if he would have made the end more unequivocally fucked up, right? Uh, and sort of showed had shown that love is a lot is not this romantic archetype that we make it out to be. 
Right. Uh, that there is such thing as love, but it's something that might be more similar to his love for his son. Or I don't fucking know. I don't know. Maybe that maybe that is a thing you can interpret in this book. Anyway, it was really fun. It was enjoyable. I, I would. It's not like a high literary uh, novel by any means, but it doesn't mean it's something that people should read and enjoy. Should well. read. Yeah. Yeah. Fiend. Nice. Hell yeah. Well, I guess. Uh, is that everybody. No, not me. Oh yeah. Okay. Cap it, trick. Uh, well, I guess uh, I'll end it out since I picked the book. Um, I. I mean, the reason I picked this book is, like all of us, we had been... I was very familiar with the movie for a long time, and I was really interested to see what the book was like, and I honestly had no... I wasn't sure. I didn't realize how close it would be as far as even the grandpa in the movie reading to uh, his grandson being so similar to the story that William Goldman makes up as, like, the framework of the novel... Um, and so I, I really enjoyed being able to see all the similarities between the two and that that humor is not lost between the, the book and the movie because that's something I always loved about it. And it, this book really plays on my uh, absurd sensibilities uh, and I really enjoyed um, like a, just going through, you know, 50, 60 pages at a time just laughing and like mm-hmm. just enjoying the story. And it's definitely not a high literary read, but, you know, uh, I figure I gotta ground us a little bit, guys, and like pick some like more crowd-friendly books besides all these heavy philosophical books, Whatever. sci-fi books. And you know, after Sex at Dawn, we need to like you know kind of ease our reader, ease our listeners back in a little bit. <laughs> Hello out there, all of our listeners. Thank Hi, you. Jack. Hi Jack. Hi, Jack. Hey, Jack. Hey, I don't know. We actually have 2,500 downloads on our page for <laughs> Jesus Christ. Our, play, our plays. I, or That's I think it's plays. way too much. That's way too much. Dude, oh, yeah. It's like fucking Lil Wayne shit, dude. Like on Spotify. <laughs> you look on his shit. Dude, are we, te- uh, are we on fire then? <laughs> we're uh, on fire. We're smoldering. Let's say that. We, yeah. we should do a biography next. Yeah. There you go. Different types of books. Yeah. Like, of that's Amelia the great thing. Earhart. Uh, <laughs> how, how does that one end? Uh, um, I'm not going to spoil the ending. Uh, but but yeah. she gets stabbed by her lover. <laughs> oh, is that how it ends? The- <laughs> that's how something ends. <laughs> In the plane? Oh, you're bad. You're so mean. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, <laughs> to end my final thoughts, I highly recommend this book, especially oh, just no, for wait. like, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. Uh, just for like a fun, like read to sit down and kind of like enjoy yourself in a book. I yeah. think it's a great, uh, novel for that. And I, I was really impressed by his plot devices using like his own fictional life to like framework this and a fictional author of, and a fictional abridging. I think those type of devices are so creative and unique to that I've not seen in any other book. That uh, the his craft of writing, I think, is really it was really good and really enjoyable to go through. Yeah, what he does, he does very well. Right, and yes. I think even more than like what you guys were trying to dig at with like uh, with more thematic stuff and like postmodern agendas is that, uh, he's just a really damn good writer and that, uh, he can keep his audience engaged really well through his, you know, use of language and, uh, uh, crafting of his, 
words. Agreed. Yeah. So, and I love the characters. The characters always win me over in books. Yeah, a good character will always sell. Yeah. So, uh, I thought it was fun. Phil, what were you getting all excited about? My uh, my line was something about how uh, <laughs> the ex- the explosion of this book is it r- reminds me in the stupidity of the love in it reminds me of the stupidity of Game of Thrones and how okay. we knew it was stupid <laughs> all <laughs> all along. It was something I used used to numb myself after a, a very horrible personal matter in the last year. And it was great for that, but when it ended, much like how the love story ended, it was all a lie. It was so you've been using the Princess Bride to numb your pain? Well, it, Game Game of Thrones... No, I know. I was fucking with you, Jesus. But I also da- have to say, for the umpteenth time, dies. that life isn't fair. <laughs> just fair than death. That's Did all. Did you just say that? <laughs> Shut the... F- <laughs> no! <laughs> Bill! How do you know I'm being for real? Anyway, I don't know. Damn. I don't, I'm just going to forget you said anything. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna make a really awful noise if you keep talking about it. All right, all right, all right. I thought that's right. just your voice. Are you just gonna keep talking? <laughs> 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 yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> all right, let's sign off. Who, Cooper, it's okay. your favorite next. sign off move. It's the the bye. <laughs> my, this is my favorite part. So are we yeah, doing Jordan's book next time? Saying, wait, I was uh, for my book. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I was gonna go next. Dan and I, we talked yeah. earlier. Um, Did you trade like a draft pick? No, it's a protest book about Ken Barrett Tubman on the twenty dollars bill. <laughs> Wait, it's are a we, book protesting are you, are you being putting Harry S. Tubman the Italian on the bill. Book. Huh, uh, the fascist book? Yeah. No, they're putting Harriet S. Tubman on the on the twenty dollar bill, subverting the American cause. So, <laughs> <laughs> did you know that? Right. I, I'd heard inklings of it through my through well, the grapevines. I, I I mean, from what I've read about Andrew Jackson, he was kind of a piece of shit. Well, it's okay because Donald Trump well, is going to keep it. Harriet Tubman wasn't, you know, a basket of roses either. <laughs> that, that's what I've. That's all. God that's what it. I've always read about. I'm joking. Her. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm fucking joking. I'll, I'll, let, you, I'll let you guys know what it is. Oh, okay. 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 Well, yeah. it's going to be Jordan's pick next time. So yeah, I'll I'll text. Uh, I'll text you, so, Eric, and you can expect something really, something. expect something really dense and uh, heady. And honestly, I, I, I love Harriet Tubman. I'm just, kidding. I'm just fucking with you, Jordan. Harriet Tubman. Uh, yeah, I'll, we're I'll finally you know. doing uh, doing the fat black lady shit, man. <laughs> okay, we should really get off now. <laughs> All right, I'm going to bed. All right, bye, let's guys. everyone say goodbye. Good All night, night Jordan. Jordan. Thank you. All right, guys. Bye. Peace out. Bye. Peace out. <laughs> We should end every podcast by saying goodnight to Jordan. <laughs> good night, Jordan. Good night, Jordan. <laughs> we love Thank you. you. <laughs> Are we? <laughs> He's, He's gone. gone. He's, He's gone. gone. All right. All that right. was a good one.
Yeah, fuck yeah. That's a good time, yo. Um, thanks for listening to Waste Books about the Princess Bride. Hopefully it was entertaining. Um, I'm excited for you to hear this, Mary-Kate, because we took some uh, more liberties, like... Town inspired a little bit. Okay, interesting. <laughs> I don't know if it's bad. We're going into like being more of a comedy podcast, I think. I dig it. So, under that, guys, I hope, and like with being pretty woke otherwise, seemingly, yeah, we could be excused for bad jokes. Okay, yeah. You'll as have, long as it's all in good taste. You'll kind have of. To see. I don't know. It's like trashy. <laughs> it's like. I trust you. <laughs> We're working on it. Oh, um, okay. This is a recording of me saying I trust Phil, okay? <laughs> That's terrifying. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, okay, so thanks for listening. Um, again, if you're interested in more shit uh, like this podcast or like this festival, Julia Louise Dryfest. Yep. Uh, visit us at waste-division.org and find us on Instagram. There's going to be a lot of updates, so just make sure that you keep looking out for the stuff that we release. Yes, yes. Um, and again, underneath here we have Bob Bowman's song Sanders Gate from his album Songs for Sandra. And you can catch Bob Bowman at this year's Dry Fest in downtown Billings, Montana, um, August 9th and 10th and like the morning of the 11th. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. Thanks, yeah. Mary-Kate. Thanks, guys. See you at Dry Fest. Bye.